Welcome back guys to 11 o'clock with Yuvan and Jihan, the podcast where we talk about life, death and everything in between. How's it going guys? Today we have a lovely guest with us. Yuvan, uh, you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, so today's guest is a dear friend of mine. Her name is Kartika. So hello Kartika. Hello everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Kartika has been a friend for quite some time now and uh, the whole thing sparked because uh, she did a presentation on um, zoos in Malaysia and when she showed it to me, I was like super intrigued. It's like, oh my God, there's so much I don't know about all of this. So I immediately asked her like, would you like, would you mind joining us on an episode? Because I feel like a lot of people uh, should know and, and should give a shit about, you know, what's going on, especially. So that's how we're here. <laughs> Way to zoom in on the problem. Way to zone in on the problem. Like, yeah. <laughs> People should give a shit about this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Straight right, to the point. Right. Yeah. This is actually my first time uh, meeting, uh, I mean, virtually meeting and uh, talking to Kartika. So hi, Kartika. Nice n- nice meeting you. Hello. Nice um, to meet you too. So, uh, Yuvan. Yes. What, what is your impression of the word zoo? Like, what, what comes to your mind immediately when I say the word zoo? Right. So the thing is, uh, this may be controversial, but like as a kid and, and it, it maybe even till now, like I really do enjoy going to zoos. Like it's been such a thing, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I always wanted to be a vet. That was like my childhood uh, like dream. And then um, Kats is a veterinary science student. So all of a sudden she's like living my childhood dreams, you know. So it's been such a big thing because I don't get to see like wolves or tigers or anything. So going to like Zoo Taiping, Zoo Nagara and all were like, whoa. So that's kind of what always comes to mind. It's like a, such a big part of my childhood, you know, just watching National Geographic and Animal Planet and all of that. Like, And the closest I could get was going to the zoo. I think I think it's more or less the the same for me in the sense that the idea of a zoo has always been something exciting. You know, when, when we were kids, um, Amma would say, do you guys want to go to the zoo at at some random weekend? And we'd be all excited just to go and see animals behind yeah. cages because, you know, we'd, we'd feel safe and, and you know, we get to see the animals as though like they are in their natural habitat. But in reality, I don't know that anymore. Okay. I don't know that anymore. As you, as you grow up and you learn how zoos work and what they are and you walk into a zoo and you see an animal that doesn't belong there. Maybe there are some zoos that take care of the animals. For example, if there are endangered species and the zoos are doing... Uh, Conservation. If are, yeah, if they're actually providing good enough welfare for these endangered species, then maybe it's a good thing. But I don't know if that's true for most zoos these days. And that's why we have Kartika on uh, this episode of 11 o'clock because we want her to shed some light on this issue. Well, basically what I know is my own opinion and from reading like certain articles about this when I was preparing a video for my assignment. When I was young, zoos have always been like the most intriguing thing for me. I mean, that's part of why I wanted to be a vet since I was like, I don't know, five or six. <laughs> and yeah, and that and also like watching documentaries uh, by Steve Irwin. He's like yeah. the crocodile my... hunter. I go. don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, seeing all this wildlife in zoos and all, it just, you know, it gets me so excited. And I know as years passed, I kind of realized that it's not really a good thing for the animals to be in there. And yeah, the zoos may argue that they are, you know, taking care of the welfare. You know, we, we might be seeing the animals like, you know, they seem fine and so on. But like, truth be told, sometimes they're actually not. And wildlife, well, they're supposed to be in the wild. They're called wildlife for a reason. So I think zoos 
Zeus, I don't know. I'm still pretty half-hearted about this. I still love Zeus, by the way. And like for me to pursue a career in wildlife, I kind of need Zeus to be around. But, you know, I think Zeus should focus more on like the concept of safaris, I guess. Because, you know, at least the wildlife, the animals such as tigers, um, lions and so on, they're like in their natural habitat. And we are the ones that are caged and going in there and seeing them, you know. Yeah, as I was doing this research and everything, I came across this term called Zeus. Causes and it's basically animals portraying invariant behavior, basically behaviors that they're not supposed to be portraying when they're in the wild, such as bar biting or like walking in circles and so on. And true enough, in 2015, I went to the zoo, actually Zoo Nagara, and I saw this white tiger pacing back and forth. And I was like so excited to see it. I was like, oh, look at it, it's moving and everything. But actually, it's portraying an invariant behavior, a behavior that's not supposed to be portraying. So it really opened my eyes and yeah yeah it's actually interesting that you mentioned that because you brought up the example of the white tigers and i went to the you know in india tirupadi there's a zoo there when I was there and then there was a white tiger pacing and you know usually when you go to and see the wildlife most of the half of the time they're like sleeping or you know somewhere hidden and all of that so when I saw it pacing back and forth I was like oh my god it's actually like you know I saw it moving on I got excited but when I watched the video it actually opened my eyes I was like oh my god it's an actual condition like it's <laughs> yeah. like the tiger's actually not doing well and it's not as healthy as they seem I, I, I agree I like the idea of safaris you know the ones where uh, they put you in cages and they enter the environment it, it makes it more natural for the animal to to use their instincts and all of that and not you know keep them so confined mm-hmm. but i think i don't know i find it a bit ridiculous la. they they really sell the idea to you that oh this is your chance to see it and all of that but if you're going to do something why don't you do it right you know why don't you do it at the time that doesn't affect the life of the the well-being of the animals just for the sake of our safety and our pleasure i guess each time each time we go to a zoo i mean the the la- when i was young if i'm remembering this correctly every time i see an animal walking back and forth i get excited you know like i think hey it's walking it it must mean that the animal likes me you know <laughs> like it wants to come and say hi to me or something <laughs> and now i learned that it's it could be a a psychological condition for for the animals and what does this mean like does does this uh, it's, it's called zoocosis right mm-hmm. so does does this put the the animal under some sort of uh, is it like a depression is it something like depression something like um... i guess you could say that because the zoocosis is under the study called animal psychopathology if i'm not wrong that's what i read so i guess that's where they study the behaviors of animals in captivity and also in the wild and they compare it and they associate it to mental illness and so on. I guess if you see animals like pacing back and forth and everything, maybe it's not that severe yet, but if you continue uh, keeping the animal in such confinement, as time goes by, I think I think it could get worse. So I'm not sure about it. I mean, I'm not really that well-versed about this, but that's basically my opinion based on what I wrote. Right! What am I saying? Oh my god, sorry. (laughs) But... You know, this whole idea, this whole zoo idea feels very um, human-centric, very very egocentric in the sense that we consider ourselves the superior being, that we get to put other beings that are quote-unquote inferior to us in cages on display for us to walk by and, and view like they're like they on the market or something of that sort. And Yeah, and sorry, just to add to that, interestingly, up to the 18th century or early 19th century, they used to put black people in cages as well and let white people go and see them. They kept them in zoos just because they thought that black people were in- inferior to whites. 
So it's insane. <laughs> I don't see the the uprise of rights for animals should be any different. You know, I I've always kind of viewed animals as just other beings. Like they they're still living souls on the planet. They still live, eat, breathe. They still have um, emotions. They feel. They live. They die. Just like us, we are not any different from them. Aside from the difference that we can't communicate with them and they can't communicate with us as easily as it is for us to to talk to each other. That doesn't mean that they can't communicate. That doesn't mean that they are any less than us. And I don't see any reason animals should be kept in zoos. If if your if your excuse is really to take care of them, if they are endangered species, if you are really doing all that you can to make the quality of life better for the animal, then I would say okay, that that makes some sense. But keeping them in a confined space for for long periods of time can't be good for an animal. Just as much as it can't be good for a human being, right? And see what thought is yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. I think when you compare zoos, I think specifically as well, then there comes to be a lot of differences. I mean, I don't know as much about this, but I know that there are some zoos in Australia, and I'm pretty sure there are some zoos that actually practice a lot of conservation acts. So they help actually breed endangered species, and then once they are up to a certain age, they actually release them back into the wild to help build the population back up and all. That's something I'm familiar with from watching. A bunch of Animal Planet, but it's, it's things like that that gives me a bit of hope and a bit of likeness of why I, I'm so fond of zoos. They give the animals a fighting chance, especially with the amount of climate change and deforestation that we all have, you know. But I don't know, like, do you, Kaz, do you think that, what do you think should be the biggest change in zoos, especially here locally in, in Malaysia? What do you think we should be doing differently? Well, as far as I'm concerned, like, for example, Zoo Nagara, I'm not trying to pinpoint anything, but like, I don't think Zoo Nagara are keeping the animals there for conservation purposes or like because they are endangered or anything they're keeping there for us for show basically so what i feel like zoos here should focus more on like conservation purposes and like um having animals that are endangered such as our malayan tiger and um tapirs and so on those kind of animals that are endangered basically like what you said like how the zoos in australia are doing it and basically breed them and then release them in the wild and i also feel like this is what i also mentioned in my video I feel like we should also have like concept of safaris over here if it's even possible. Not sure, but yeah, I think safaris are way better in the sense we can see the animals in their natural habitat doing their normal daily activities, and we won't be disturbing them. We we'll just be watching them from afar, and like we get to experience the whole animals in the wildlife kind of situation, you know. So yeah, that's my take on it. You know, I I don't know if you know this, but uh, back when I was in Taylor's, I actually volunteered at Zunagara, and I went with a with a group of students. This was for some club or from of a scholar work I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. we we went for a whole day and uh, we went to help out all the people there who are taking care of the animals. It gave me not much insight as to how things work, how their management system is, but it gave me insight on how the people who are working the 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 employees, uh, more specifically the animal caretakers themselves, how they interact with the animals, how they feed the animals how they live on a daily basis with these animals and what they do to take care of them and it felt it felt right at the time it felt like oh they these people have a genuine connection with these animals they don't just um, look at them as, as a separate species but they take care of them the best that they can yeah. and it was only until much it was not until much later that i realized that so they're just doing their job they're just there for a paycheck and yeah. 
the the animals there are just getting food on a daily basis it's not like they're being taken care of they're just being fed for them to sustain their life in order for the zoo to keep making money it's not about yeah. taking care of the animals exactly they view the animals as asset pretty much yeah they just need consistent income they need people didn't zoo nagara like a year or two ago ask people for donations like yeah i was thank you for thank you for bringing that up because that was exactly the segue i wanted to get to uh, when you mentioned this right when you talk about animal caretaking and all of that zoo nagara has to be i mean from the past year i think even up to now they're constantly underfunded it's uh, like almost every time they always need more money and which is surprising actually because it's supposed to be if it's if let's look at it in terms of business right it is supposed to be a well-functioning business to sustain itself. Yes, uh, they're not making as much revenue from visitors and all of that. But what doesn't make sense to me is this is Zoo Nagara. It's partially supposed to be funded by the government as well to sustain itself. Up to now, their adoption packages, I'm just looking at them. You can donate up to 500 ringgit per month. So you sort of pledge like a OnlyFans for the zoo like that. <laughs> they give you a certificate and they give you like vouchers and stuff and and then you adopt one of the animals and you get to name the animal and stuff like that and all but that i think goes to show like says a lot about the business as a whole like if you know that they are so underfunded that they need to ask the people's help if they're not getting those funds then you can tell that they're doing bare minimum for the animals in there as well is this true for most zoos around the world I, you mentioned there was some good that australia was doing for their zoos and uh, with regards to the animals but i want to know how zoo nagara treats the animals and how the animals are affected by um, zoo courses is common among most zoos around the world yeah guys do you know anything about like how zoo nagara takes care of the animals like has there been any complaints or like any personal stories that you are familiar with complaints and what not i've not heard so i was supposed to work in zoo nagara for about a week actually for my industrial training so i would have gotten better inside if i was working there but from the outside i don't hear much about zoo nagara and how they're treating the animals but as any zoo would claim they they are taking care of the animals and they are maintaining their welfare just by feeding them and like you know by taking care by cleaning their cages and so on but you know there's more to that than just to feed them and everything there's so much more you know there's like the connection you got to have with this with these animals in order to like really take care of them and like you know keeping them in a zoo it, you know it's like you just imagine yourself locked up in a room for like a long time without any connection with other animals or other beings and everything you, you tend to go crazy after some time so like that's what these animals are basically going through and like in my opinion i feel like if if the zookeepers are not having that connection with these animals it also tends to like you know affect them mentally because these animals they're not used to actually see humans on a daily basis so for them seeing humans on a daily basis also it's a stressful thing for them actually you know putting them in a zoo in a cage seeing uh, humans every single day it's actually really stressful for them so i don't know yeah, i can imagine it's like it's just being putting on sh- being put on show every day and are people just coming and observing laughing and taking pictures of you exactly it's uh. like you're being put in a circus like that you know it's like yeah it can be really stressful for the animals so i feel like if they if the zookeepers had like a personal connection to them i don't it might lessen their stress because they are more familiar to that human contact that they have with the zookeepers. Because from what I see, I think most of us, what they do is just throw the food in there and just let them eat and then, yeah, that's all. Has there been, has there, uh, does, is there any technology that has been developed for us to communicate with animals or for us to understand animals better? I oh mean, my how- God. 
how are we reading uh, how are we reading the emotions of animals how through hormone cycles through their to their brain mapping before we get to that right when you mentioned this nityananda you know nityananda right the yes. the swamiji he had he made a video like where he said that he has developed this technology to communicate with animals and, and <laughs> like that was the first thing that came to my head when you talked about the technology to communicate man's on a whole new level of communication is that even possible <laughs> you know you know while while we we say this non- nonchalantly and i don't know how true this uh, this is for uh, for nityananda but yeah. there have been people who have been able to take control of their mind so well that they altered their frequency of communicating with the world with other beings to different frequencies right like the way we communicate is within a certain range of frequencies animals they talk too but they talk at different frequencies that uh, don't allow us to understand them and not and not hear them but there have yeah. been people who have been known to take so much control of their mind that they can adapt themselves to the frequencies of of, of these animals and actually yeah. communicate with them and the people who live like that live being able to talk to animals and there there was a point where i've lived so long with my cat and during that time i was doing a lot of meditating and a lot of soul seeking and i was very much in tune with myself one with the universe if you will i and i know it sounds very spiritualistic but it actually allowed me to no. gain insight on the emotion of my cat i could tell what my cat was feeling and i could tell that my cat could tell what i was feeling whenever i was down she could just come she would just come and sit beside me to give me comfort or sit on top of me to just keep me comfort and that these are things that don't just happen there there is a form of communication that's going on between me and my cat and i think that if only people would to put aside their ignorance and their ego and just look within themselves and did their inner engineering we'd be able to talk to animals too and not just animals we'd be able to talk to plants too when i told people that i want to talk to plants people call me ridiculous they don't understand how big of a spiritual and mental feat it is for a human being to communicate with a being that is not human and i'm not talking about demons or <laughs> other beings i'm talking but things that are right in front of us in front of our own eyes you know and maybe technology can keep up with this one day maybe technology can figure out a way for us to communicate with animals in the sense that they can convert their brain waves into comprehensible words for us to read and reply to how far do you think we are in terms with regards to, to these to these technologies do you think we'll get there at all i think we might uh, i don't know i believe I think, we can yeah i think if you if you put your mind to it you can but there, there are certain things especially i don't know i don't i wouldn't want to get too much into the whole spiritual aspect of it but there are things where sometimes when surprise, i'm sad surprise. and then i sit with <laughs> what's an episode without you being spiritual and me putting it down <laughs> No, but that's the thing that I, I I am familiar with something. You know, like when I'm sad and I go and sit with Max, like there is a sense where he will just come and put his head on my lap and stuff like that. But I suppose that's the thing that zookeepers or or the caretakers in the zoos are lacking. You know, like you said, how they just throw the foods into the zoos and stuff like that. Like it just it just keeps them so isolated from everything. And that's why, in contrast, I guess conservation centers like there's one in Pahang, the elephant sanctuaries mm, yeah. and stuff like that. That that I would rather encourage so much more because these elephants actually. to live in their habitat and we actually go there to um better their well-being and at the same time upkeep the place and all of that not to be a pessimist but a lot of these elephants are just exploited for their tail hair for their their whatever hair and that and their tusks <laughs> 
and people actually buy them you know when people ride elephants man in thailand and uh, i don't know where else and it, it breaks my heart because you know when i was younger it was so glorified that and i was so excited when appa said i could ride an elephant and we did it right and i didn't realize how cruel it is for us oh, to cool. ride the elephant right and today looking back it breaks my heart it breaks my heart to a million pieces to think that these animals are just being used and we don't no one cares if they are in pain you just sit you just put a whole ass what do you call that the thing that you put on their back and there's sit sad. on <laughs> no there's a name saddle. for the thing saddle yeah sure a big elephant saddle and we, and we ride them like like they are like they are slaves and that is not right that is not right and i i i don't i'm i'm all down for there being an elephant sanctuary but if people are doing it just to sell their tail hairs nah i'm putting my my hoof down like this ain't right oh there you go la. um <laughs> yeah even task the task industry up to i mean we spoke about it yesterday how they actually made piano keys using elephant tusks yeah, for a long time ivory, right yeah. so which is insane insane yeah um interesting we brought up ivory that's another thing that i wanted to tell you guys um you know how when they sell like when you eat beef but you refer to them as beef and mutton rather than mentioning that i'm eating cow i'm eating a goat mm-hmm. it's to disassociate that thought in your head like to as much as they can so interestingly they name it ivory instead of just calling it an elephant tusk just to disassociate the fact that this was dragged out of like slaughtered an animal and pulled their tusk out and then you keep it as a decorative piece martyr got into shit for <laughs> elephant tusk being in his room while doing a press statement and it's insane also another thing uh, i was just going through google news and they constantly are underfunded zoo nagara and they found rats in the penguin sanctuary the tiger is being underfed but at the same time food panda gave them like 200000 the government gave them 1.4 million where's the money grant going? money where the hell is the money going <laughs> what are they doing with the it's 1.4 million ringgit can do so much with that oh my god Exactly right. You think of what you can do with 1.4 million ringgit. You can buy a year's worth of beef or like meat for the damn tiger or lion or whatever. <laughs> It's not like they have a thousand animals there. <laughs> what you said made me curious as to what do what do cannibals refer to as human meat? Like do they have a name for it so so as to dehumanize the <laughs> the human meat like <laughs> yo. <laughs> I'm talking to you Hannibal Lecter. What do you say? Is it like shield or uh, yeah, let's not let's not create a, yeah, let's yeah, not create let's any avenues find for a term for human meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There used to be this weird argument. I don't know whether you all have heard about this about how human meat should be the healthiest meat because we actually feed ourselves with a lot of like high nutrition products now. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if I if I said this story before on the podcast but some time ago I was reading uh, something on Reddit there was a there was this guy who he, uh, he he and his group of friends um wrote uh, this was not, not I didn't read this this was a, a story that Bianca told me after reading something on Reddit where right. a group of friends agreed that if any one of them were to lose their their limbs that they would get together and eat it cook it and eat it and well enough after some years one of the guy loses his leg in an accident and he asks them ask the doctors for the leg they cook the leg sit down like it's a fine dining uh, three course meal and eat it oh my god and and really enough i don't find this crazy i it's 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 consensual it's uh, of course of course you don't of course <laughs> they want to 
they want to know what it's like and they're not killing anyone for the human meat personally i don't see why everyone uh, i'm going to get so much hate for this but as yeah. long as it's not cruel why can you eat animal meat but not human meat yeah, yeah, i'm not I'm going there. to you are I'm not going to dive into the ethics of eating human you meat you are slaughtering <laughs> animals you are slaughtering animals to eat their meat and calling them veal calling them beef calling them mutton But when it comes to to human being, if they do it non cruelly, why is that any less bad than you cruelly killing an animal and eating it? Just because they are animals are less than us, because we are superior beings. Fuck that. I, <laughs> I'm not going to oh sit here and pretend like like I pretend like we are glorified beings. And if if you think you are human, then you're going to have to take it with a pinch of salt that I'm saying all of this. That I'm not saying humans. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Why are we turning our back on the human race now? <laughs> hey, I wanted to be a vet since I was 5. That's why because I hate humans. I'm not turning my back on the human race. I'm turning my back on the people who have lost their sense of humanity. Humanity is pure. It's genuine. It's loving. It's caring. Where is that in the world today? Go out and look at any corporate. They don't give a fuck about their employees. All they want to do is make more money. Your employees are your slaves. You give them a fixed yeah. income. They make money for you. they get a cut of probably a 5% cut of what you make even less than that that is not yeah. humanity you're not doing anybody any favors that's just how the world is currently working and i'm not down for that i'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's fine for me to live in a world like that neither am i going to sit here in a world and pretend like it's fine for zoos to continue going on and uh, exploiting uh, exploiting the uniqueness of animals for them to make money right. yeah i i completely agree i think zoos as a whole i think the three of us can also agree here that it, it's not being maintained well the concept as a whole is very misleading and it's just entirely a, a pool for them to fork out money i mean you can see how much funded they are and you mm. can you cannot reason out with me that you're still underfunded and that we still need to give you more and more money is you're just selling us on the fact that we feel bad for the animals and at the end of the day the, at the losing end are the animals as well but Okay, wait. Let's try to let before we end the episode and all that. Let's try to take this tangent to something a bit more positive. That's so that we don't end on a head note. I want to talk about the conservations. Right earlier, we spoke about the animal tortures that they had in you know like elephant riding in Thailand. I think that was a prostitute orangutan in yeah, Indonesia. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you know that story, Kats? Like mind like sharing it because I can't I can't I don't remember all the facts. Yeah. Basically, uh, if I'm not wrong, it's in Indonesia. They're basically holding orangutans um as captive. I'm a captive and they're exploiting the females for like prostitution they basically like shave them off and then they bathe them and put like makeup on them and stuff and they tie them to the bed and they are like sold for prostitution which is just insane it is just disgusting and what is this i'm i mean like you know there's this thing called bestiality and like humans doing it with animals and stuff like that i've heard cases you know people doing it with horses and dogs and other shit <laughs> like this orangutan thing is just insane and they take the male ones and they make them like fight with each other It's like some kind of boxing thing. Yeah, fight with each other, yeah. and basically one of them dies and stuff like that. You know, when I read this news, I swear to God, I nearly puked. It's just insane how like animals are being treated this way. Like as Jihan said, like any lesser than us, because you know humans just think that you know we are just because we are like higher than them in the evolutionary chart and so on, we get to do whatever we want with them. Yeah, it's it's it sucks because we though we claim ourselves to be the top of the food chain and all of that, we are nothing. Like bare-fisted, you could never win with a uh, with an animal. It's mm-hmm. only because we we created guns and uh, tools 
to fight that somehow make us better than the others. And you're right. I mean, absolutely. I don't know why there's this belief and we shouldn't think that they are any lesser or inferior to us. We are all just different from each other, but just because we are different doesn't mean we are any lesser than one or the other. That's the thing. Uh, so, like, speaking on that, uh, that's where conservation, I think, comes in. And that's what I, mainly I wanted, I would like to take away from this episode to be. Because it's what can what can we all do uh, as a whole to make a change, you know? Because there's one thing to address the problem and speak about it, but it's a whole other thing to come together and put our minds together to see where can we take this from now and what we all should do. Based on my reading, I'm going to just drop my suggestions and we'll talk about it. So, there's a lot of the WWF, right? The World Wildlife mm-hmm. Foundation. There are a lot of uh, projects that they have gotten into to help uh, repopulate the po- uh, endangered species. Malayan tiger, really, really sad. You know, the mm-hmm. football team claims it to be the Mal- Hari- Harima Malaya and all of that. And here, there are like, what, 200 tigers left in the mm-hmm. wild? Yeah, like, what the hell, right? So, you know, uh, I think we should. We should really make a change. Uh, in terms of how we handle uh, our resources in the country. You know, it's not just about cutting down the trees to make paper and whatever not. I think it's about time we put a halt to that and consider, hey, maybe we should just leave this bloody habitat for the animals that live there because it's just like them coming into our homes and just destroying it and then where are we going, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's my take on it. But but do you have, do you all, do you all like, why don't you all share some of what you think we should all do? I think if we really consider ourselves and an, a species that is smart that has evolved quote-unquote evolved and if we consider ourselves intelligent then we're not to use this intelligence to exert our power our over other species we're not supposed to build guns to be able to become more powerful than the animals in the wild if anything we should be using the resources we have the intelligence we have in order for us to better the lives of these animals and if you really want to know how they feel then you have the money to make the, the to to develop the tech use that that money use that tech to be able to talk to animals learn how they feel without harming them you're telling me with the billions of dollars we have we can send people to fucking mars but we can't develop tech for us to understand how animals feel and to be able to communicate with animals i'm i'm looking at you you were i'm i'm looking at you i'm looking at oh. elon musk <laughs> I'm looking at all these people who are putting all their resources into traveling and looking for species, looking for for life, for, for living proof in other planets when their lives on our own planet are not being taken care of. Be it human right. beings, be it animals. <laughs> <laughs> You're so salty about our previous episode, but it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I will agree with you on this. I mean, I context apart from our previous episode. No? Yes, definitely. I think currently cuts, what, what do they do? They have um, animal behavior tracking, right? They put tags on like mm. whales and uh, lions and stuff like that. What do they mainly do it for? I think it's to observe them in their natural habitat and like, you know, just to get to know the animal as a whole. Like what do they eat? How do they behave? Where do they usually go to and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So to like better understand the animal basically. That. Yeah, exactly. And it's weird that they don't use the data and mimic it in environments to make it a more sustainable place for the animals to live and all of that, right? Like they take all of the data and they're like, yes, this is happening. But the conclusion of every documentary I watch is like, humans are destroying so much. And <laughs> here's what you can do. Just don't but nobody really talks about the actual solutions to problems like (laughs) nobody like that's not one documentary our earth or netflix they show you how beautiful the landscape is and then the last 10 minutes of the show is just oh this is what human does to all of this this is all how they destroy it and Um, you still don't believe me when i say everything people everything humans touch they destroy yeah that's that's true (laughs) 
just because you got someone to sign it to now. I feel so inferior. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, I want to hear from you. Uh, from you, Kat. Like, what what is your idea of what we can do to better conserve the well being of all our endangered species? What do you hope that we do? What do you hope that our next steps should be in order to better? life as life as a whole for humans for animals our interaction with them living things like even plants and forests and all of that you know first of all i think we should ensure everyone understands that um, animals are with us not for us they're not here to give us pleasure to, i don't know yeah pleasure basically that sounds weird but okay um, in indonesia apparently not in indonesia <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're not here to be our slaves but they are here with us you know god didn't like create animals to be like below us or anything god just created us to be in harmony together so i think humans i mean everyone should understand that animals are not here for our sake but here on their own for their own sake as well so i think what we should do is you know have like how should i put it have awareness yes awareness okay sorry yes we should have an awareness campaign um to you know educate the public that animals are there with us and we should do whatever we can to take care of them i think if everyone understands and grasps that fact by the end of okay by the end of this whole uh campaign and whatnot people will start taking measures on their own to you know you know, better take the, take care of them, whether they are in the wild or their own pets or just any stray animal outside there, you know. If they can understand this fact, I believe we humans and animals can live together in peace in this world. I think you, you could not have said that better. That's, that's exactly what I was going to uh, more or less summarize. The, the point is awareness. You want to make it aware in people, in children, like teach your children what is going on. Teach your children that zoos aren't necessarily the best thing in the world. Don't make them so excited for them. Like, don't feed them this this lie, you know, that, oh, these animals are being taken care of and it's it's fun to go and see these animals in the zoo. Teach them. Yeah, it's, you know, so it starts there. It starts you, at awareness. I agree. And, you know, when you talk about, like, giving that excitement, because you don't want to take away the joy of, you know, seeing a wild animal and all that. But you can, en- you can ensure the safety of all of this by, you know, the, the national park. Right, like going to the national park and and entering their environment where it's safe enough for you to interact with them, and at the same time you're not jeopardizing any of any other beings. I think that's the thing, right? We think about it. Zoo Nagara is in the middle of KL, in in the city center of the damn of the damn country, like, and then there we have elephants and 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 tigers just roaming around, like. There's always this jo- like the the fantasy of what if they get out of the zoo? You know, they would they would be in what. Um, Pudu, Pudu, am I, Pudu monorail <laughs> or LRT? <laughs> yeah, so now we're gonna take a trip down to Madagascar. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to us up to this point, and thank you, yeah. Kartika, for joining us on this episode of Eleven O'clock. We we hope you uh, enjoyed uh, talking to us because we enjoyed talking to you and we learned a lot from you, and uh, we hope to see you in uh, in more episodes uh, after this. Thank yeah. You. Any any la- any final words? Um. Well, no. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, thank I you for having me, and like I did enjoy um talking to you guys. You know, I thought it was gonna be very awkward, but no. I guess we all shared our opinions, and you know, now we know better, and we can do better. Yeah, and for everybody who's still listening, thank you so much for joining us as well. Uh, I hope this has been a learning feat for you too. And the one thing that you can change today is be a bit kinder to the next three you see, you know. 
and let's do what we can to make this world a better place. Yeah, you know, in uh, with 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 the cahoots in uh, for uh, kindness week, let's all spread kindness and niceness <laughs> to anything and anyone around you. When is the best time to be kind? It's eleven o'clock. Jesus Christ! And with that, guys, thank you so much. Till tomorrow. I'm gonna make Cheers. that a thing. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Till tomorrow, guys. Cheers. <laughs>